I'm sorry, I'm taking pictures of my cat. I couldn't be held with how mad I was about what you were saying, Brett. I'm sorry. Tell the audience what the name of your cat is. She's uh, Lillian Lerner. She's Lillian Beheim. The cat. Last name Beheim. LL Beheim. LL Cool J Beheim. The cat. Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Kevin O'Keefe, Brett Fortnum, Joe Shell, and Colin Lerner. We have a full house today, which is exciting because it is the 2021-2022 Syracuse Basketball Preview Show. Uh, it is Monday, November 8th. Tomorrow night, November 9th, Syracuse will open the college basketball season against the Lafayette College Leopards uh, from my hometown, Easton, Pennsylvania. I grew up watching Lafayette College, so I'm kind of excited for this game. Uh, albeit, Syracuse is going to probably win this pretty easily. At least I hope so. Oh, but, you uh, did not just say right, that. That's not the first doing? thing you said about the season. Oh, no. Hey, hey we're going to get on to this. Hold on. Now, hold on, guys. We're going to go pick these later. Are you not all going to pick Syracuse probably That's anyway? Different. That's different. That's different. You oh my god. I hadn't decided. Now it's going to be a nail biter right to the <laughs> end. It's going to come down to a last second shot. We're going to be like, oh great. And then Jimmy Beheim's going to have the game winning three. Oh. I've seen, I've seen a lot of Lafayette College, and I can say. And they Lafayette, are good. They if are. If Lafayette great. makes the this a game, in... I will be stunned. My editor's son goes to Lafayette, and I can tell you if Lafayette beats Syracuse, I'm never going to hear the end of it. Is your editor's son a seven foot two power forward? <laughs> no, because I believe that my editor can still beat him in basketball. Do you call him my editor? No, I usually just call him Dan. Oh. Oh well I hope you're Shout listening. To Dan. Hello, Dan. Hey Dan. Who doesn't listen? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely doesn't listen. So guys, Syracuse basketball was such a nail biting team last year we had highs and lows you know you think about the big that huge blowout win over boston college in december that gave us a lot of hope and then we had games like virginia tech and then we had the blowout loss at virginia and there was a point where we actually put out a show that said goodbye to the ncaa tournament and then we won enough nail biters to get ourselves <laughs> into the tournament and go to the sweet 16. So there's a lot of mixed feelings about this Syracuse basketball team this year. A lot of people think it's going to be more of the same. We've got some new characters. We've got some people who hit the exits like Quincy Garrier. And then also there have been some people who are really optimistic with Buddy Beheim becoming one of the better shooters in the country. The hope that Joe Girard is going to continue what we saw at the end of the season. So what do we think this team is going to be this is it, it's really hard to tell they were picked seventh by the way in the preseason media poll in the ACC I think it's both it's definitely going to be a lot more of the same close games ugly games but I think we're going to go about that in a very different way I think we've gone into seasons recently thinking we're going to live and die by the three I think this Syracuse team is going to live and die by the three, unlike any season we've ever seen before. That could end up being a good thing. They could end up shooting the lights out for the most part and, and winning a lot of games. 
I think overall this team is probably going to be a better regular season team than last year's team, but not not by a whole lot. So the way I see this season going, sure, defense is going to be an issue at points. We've definitely lost some athleticism in our starting lineup, but I think our offensive threats are more balanced in the starting lineup. I think we're going to have a situation where everyone can score at least a little bit. And I think four out of the five are going to score more than a little bit. I like that we're going into the season with Jesse Edwards at the five. I like that he looks better. I think he's going to be good for six to eight points, just getting some easy putbacks, some easy dunks, being in the right spot. I think his game is really taking a big step forward. But the difference to me is Cole Swider, I think. You know, he's going to bring more to the table than we initially thought when he transferred. His Transfer from Villanova, by the way. His shooting has been impeccable. I think he's been the best shooter through the, the preseason. So I know that's not saying much. It's not a lot to go off of. But when you have three guys in your lineup who are capable of being elite level shooters, that's kind of what we're built around. And Swider's a guy who's played on the national stage. I believe he's played for a national championship or at least been, you know, on the team. So it's it's a very experienced team this year, and that's what I see being the difference. Last year's team, you know, played a lot of nail biters, but with a lot of inexperience. This year's team, you know, like I said, you lost some athleticism, you lost some defensive skill, you lost a little bit of, of size girth-wise, maybe not height-wise, but we have a lot of experience. It's probably the most experienced team we've had in quite some time, and not all, you know, experience with our program, but very experienced players all around. Well, my issue with that assessment is I think that we have less talent this year than we did last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Looking at what left, we lost Kadari Richmond, obviously, Mm -hmm. Alan Griffin, Quincy Garrier, and Marek Dolashai. And we replaced them with Benny Williams, Cole Swider, Samir Torrance, and Jimmy Beheim. So I think that... Griffin and Garrier had huge offensive upsides and Garrier particularly carried the team for a few games and Griffin could carry the offensive load on occasion. Richmond could take control of the game on defense while also providing uh, an ability to slash to the basket that we were lacking. And Dolajai was kind of like a Swiss army knife. And I think you're right about, Swider's upside. I know I was down on him when we first announced the transfer, but it does look like he's going to have a pretty nice stroke. But I worry about having any type of dribble penetration. And I definitely worry about being able to rebound. I think losing our two best rebounders and just hoping that Jesse Edwards is going to be the same Jesse Edwards we saw for the end of last season. I mean, we saw moments of Barama Sidibe that made us all very hopeful for him. So it, it's it, it's difficult to pin all of our hopes on the players we know getting better. Yes, honestly, I think that Jesse Edwards is going to be better. But I when I look at the six, seven guys who are going to get minutes, I see less talent than last year. That being said, I thought we played below our talent level for most of last year. And I think we'll be better this year because we're not likely to have the stop and goes of the season. So I kind of think we're going to 
be a lot like we were last year, where it's going to be a lot of, oh, crap, you know, are we going to make the tournament? We give up on the tournament, and then we possibly sneak in. Like, it is almost every other Syracuse year. So I guess I'm, I'm a little bit down on, on the roster just when I look at what left versus what came in. But I think that the float of the season will allow the team to have more maturation throughout the course of the year than last year's team was able to. Yeah, the thing going into the offseason for me was it looked like on paper that we were going to have a lot of depth at five for the first time in recent, if not my lifetime. But now you've already got Sidibe is already out. Jabo Ajak is apparently, apparently the designation GTD is a game time decision, not getting things done. But he's also not good. He's also just not good. He's a body. He's I a body. Yeah. He's a body. I think we saw a little bit of maturation of, of him throughout last season, but but his ceiling is very low. And then it's just going to be between Anselm and, and and Jesse Edwards. And we, we saw, I feel like one we're, we're one injury away from it just being the Jesse Edwards show. And then we start having to put like a Merrick Dolajai in at five again, which is – I think what held us back so much last year during the regular season through no fault of Dolajai's. Of course not. The guy played out of position all four years. I mean, Benny Williams and Swider are going to be kind of make or break. I think those two uh, among a couple of other new faces are going to be the ones that decide whether or not we're better or worse than last year. And if we can rebound sufficiently, uh, then I think we're, we're a tournament team. If we can rebound sufficiently, because as I think it was Joe mentioned, we're, we're probably going to shoot pretty well from three, uh, at least right now on November 8th, before the season's even started. But, you know, that can kind of deteriorate pretty quickly. I'm, I'm hoping that Gerard is able to put his 2020-2021 jitters away. I think some of that may have had something to do with there being no fans. It just seemed that way because you don't get a guy who has such – deterioration from one season to another in a vacuum. So I, I think there's something there. And so having fans at the Dome, I'm hoping we'll, we'll, we'll get him back to where he was in the 2019-2020 season. Yeah, we're definitely going to be better than we were last year. Um, but I think that being said, I think the rest of the country is also going to be better than they were last year. I think, Brett, to your point, I do agree with you that we definitely uh, underperformed last year. I still stand by the fact that I don't think we were a tournament team last year. Regardless of how far we got, I don't think we should have been in. It was a down year for everybody. Everyone yeah, exactly. was how we got in. Right, exactly. Right, right. So mm-hmm. I think that everyone is going to be better. And I do think we're going to be mildly better, but I'm worried that we are still going to be the kind of on-the-bubble middling team. And if we are not significantly better than we were last year, we are not going to make the tournament. And it pains me that this is the conversation we're having when we should be a top 25 team, but that's just not the reality of our program over the last seven, eight years. So yeah, I think you guys have done a pretty good job of kind of touching on the reasons why we should be a little bit better. I I don't see us making a big enough jump to have any kind of significant change in this program. I don't think we're going to see that until the Bayheim era ends, honestly. I think this is kind of going to be where we're at while he's our coach. We're going to be a 19 and 11, 18 and 12 team who makes an occasional Sweet 16 Elite Eight run. He's kind of decided in his age that the regular season doesn't matter a whole lot to him. Is that the gist that everyone kind of gets over the last few years he just doesn't really think it matters all that much no i, mean, I, I don't I know if that's right i disagree with that yeah 
All I'm going to say is that, Joe, I am on your side with this. The only problem with that is that the regular season runs for, what, five months? And the tournament runs for three weeks. But every time this happens, he's like, eh, we'll figure it out in March. Well, and then we do figure it out in March. It's like, he knew this was going to happen. This was the plan. Right. But you're going to be able to recruit better if you have a program that is successful throughout the course of the season rather than just in I'm March. not saying knows, that that's the right approach. That. No, I'm not saying that's the right approach. I think he's just had bad seasons. And when you're having a bad season, that's what you say. He's going to ride off into the big old Bayheimy sunset. But he's not because he's openly said that like he has no intention of retiring. Like yet again. No, he's going to push Jimmy and and uh, Buddy off into the old Bayheimy sunset. I just saw, sit there God, with his... I hope so. So, now that you've brought up that, it's time to hit the part of the show I was looking forward to. We're going to oh. talk about some of the players on the roster. So, let's look at the four words first, just because I want to bring up the expected starters at forward are Cole Swider, who we've already talked about, the transfer from Villanova. A lot of excitement about him. He looks good shooter, has a good experience. And Jimmy Beheim, the transfer from Cornell, older brother to Buddy. He got better each year at Cornell. He was averaging 16 points a game in 2019-2020. Keep in mind, the Ivy League did not play last year. That's part of why Jimmy left. He's expected to be a starter where you've got Benny Williams, who was a 27th overall in the ESPN 100, 25th in the 247 sports. Rivals.com had him 15th in the class of 2021. He's going to be the guy coming in off the bench at that position. I know there's some strong feelings about that. This is the part where... Before this devolves into whatever this is going to (laughs) be, I just want to say that I think Jimmy Beheim being on this team at this point is more or less a necessary evil if you consider it an evil. I think he's kind of going to got to be the poor man's Marek Dolezal this year. Not not that I think he's capable of, of that level of play, but he has to be the guy who's out there just making heady plays because he's... Not a lights-out shooter. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not the biggest, strongest guy. But he seems to know how to play basketball at a pretty high level. And that's just what he's got to do. He's got to fill that Swiss Army knife role. Just make the right pay. Score by making slick moves to the basket. And, you know, he's not going to back too many players down in ACC play. So he's just got to be smart. I think he's capable of that. One of his most important jobs is going to be to try to get rebounds. Yeah, that is something that they're 100 percent. And, you know, he's he's probably lacking the size that he's going to need to really contribute on that front in in conference play. I'm sure he's going to play great in non-conference play. I'm worried about him once he starts playing larger competition. But we needed a guy and he's a guy who knows how to play basketball and he's a smart player. So I think he's going to fill that role just even as a facilitator. But the reason I say it's necessary is because even just watching Benny play against Division Two competition, he's raw. He's very, very raw. He is an athletic freak. And at some point this year or next year, he's going to play some very good basketball. And there are going to be times this year where you're going to watch him and your jaw's going to drop and your eyes are going to bug out of your head. And you're going to say, I can't believe he just made that play. But he's very raw and he's not exactly ready. So I'm not surprised that he's not starting. He's going to get his minutes and he's going to play, but Jimmy's what we got and we needed someone because I hate to say it, Benny's not as ready as you would want a top 
30 recruit to be, and he'll get there, but right now he's not there yet. And I think that the fact that Jimmy is on the team is more of an indictment on Bayheim than anything else because it just shows the complete lack of depth that the roster had and how hard it was hit by the transfer portal. And we should be better than having to find someone to play for us. And obviously, Jimmy Bayheim is a better player than just someone, but that's kind of what we had. It was available to us. We needed to fill that. What worries me about Benny Williams is what happened last year with Kadari Richmond. I mean, do we really think that at some point during this season that Bayheim is going to bench Jimmy his, Bayheim? His son. Okay. I'm sorry. Going to bench Jimmy Bayheim to let a raw freshman into the starting lineup when we've seen that even with a non-familial connection, he's hesitant to ever put that freshman in the lineup. I think it's less likely that Benny shows us that he deserves that, like Kadari showed us that he deserved it. I don't I'm not sure we'll get to that point this year. And that might be better for the program because that might mean that Benny stays. I, I agree with that. The fact that we have statement. to say that is not good. I'm sorry, Colin, were you No, I mean, no, you guys have kind of calmly explained what I would have yelled in, into the mic uh, to explain, but that you guys are you're right. When I first talked about this years ago, years ago, months ago, it feels like years ago at this point. <laughs> I said, if Jimmy Beheim is on this team as a guy to come off the bench, play 15, 20 minutes, gather some rebounds, do what he has to do, then I can stomach it. If he is starting and taking minutes away from a freshman who should be playing good minutes, it is going to drive me insane. And lo and behold, this is exactly where we are. are. And Joe, I, I have not seen enough of Benny Williams to know whether he should be playing or not, should not be playing. But if we just literally, as Brett just said, take the name off and put Kadari Richmond in there, Kadari became one of the best players in the country, you could possibly make the argument, during the tournament. What if he had had the minutes to do that from day one? Maybe he becomes one of the best players in the, in the country by midseason. Right? It's just there's no reason why these minutes should be given to anybody other than an incoming, talented person who we need to keep on this roster, on our team. We, we have fallen so far that we are now stretching to get whoever we can get, and we're pick, plucking Ivy League players. If we have a top 30 guy, we need to see how he's going to play. He cannot sit on the fourth line. He cannot do it. It is just, there's no, absolutely no point to it. And it is, Brett, I'm with you. It is sad that Syracuse basketball has gotten to this point. And I am sad that I have to watch Jimmy Beheim start for my team. Well, part of it is Jimmy's got 20 pounds or so on Benny. So he's, he's going to be in the paint and more effective at racking in those rebounds. I mean, all else equal, right? Just looking at, at paper. I think the guy was a pretty good rebounder at, at Cornell. I mean, he, it just, he was. I, I sincerely but... hope, and I, I, I don't want to get into the call and conspiracy theories, but I, I really do think that the best player will play. And I think no. the more Benny Williams we see. He didn't last year. The best player didn't the, play last year. What in the, the more, last 20 the years ben, of Jim Beheim has The more Benny Williams we see this year, I think the, the better our long-term future looks. The more Jimmy, the more Band-Aid, you know, the more we just need a guy to fill a hole and not screw up and turn the ball over and lose us the game. All right. Anybody here, anybody here, tell me in the last 15 years of Jim Beheim coaching when a 
talented freshman has gotten playing time over a upperclassman. Jalen Carey lost his job to Joe Girard in like two weeks, Joe Girard's freshman year. So the example we have is Joe Girard, who we were screaming to be benched last year for an incoming freshman. That's the, example. That's, that's the best example. The best example we have is Joe Girard. Jalen Carey played one year at Syracuse, 25 games, and the next year he was redshirted because he got hurt. He he because lost a job. He, yeah, he started two games, and he lost a job because he, he got hurt, and he never came back, and that was Joe Girard. It wasn't just a straight, oh, Joe Girard deserves these minutes. It was more he was bad because he was hurt, and when he lost his job, then they decided to have him get surgery or whatever, and he redshirted the rest of the year. I mean, that, that was only two games. It's tough to – I don't think Bayern would bad. give up on Carey for two games. Now that we've invoked Joe Girard's name, let's switch over and talk about the guards. So we've got Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim, the expected starters. Samir Torrance, the transfer from Marquette, would be off the bench in that position. Samir Torrance is – People don't know as much about him. He's more of a pass-first player. The big question is, can he learn the system? Uh, This is a guy who really didn't average that much at Marquette, didn't play a ton of time at Marquette. But the question is, can he get in there for 10, 15 minutes a game and give Buddy or Joe Girard a rest? My guess is Buddy's going to be doing some major minutes this year. Because I figure he's going to have to be out there. And if Joe Girard is shooting well, he's going to be out there for major minutes. Again, it goes back to, and I'm kind of with Kevin, and I think there were some analysts who said this last year once he hit the tournament. Joe Girard seemed to do better when there was a crowd. Some people perform better when there's an audience. the lights are on, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, And and hopefully that's what that means. Uh, he averaged 12.4 points a game in 2019-2020. So if he can get back to that, which would only be three more points a game than what he was at last year, you know, that could make a really big difference in the long run. And then, you know, Buddy, he had 444 points last year. Need I say more? He just needs to keep doing what he's been up to. And, I mean, he's already on a gazillion watch lists. He's on the NABC Player of the Year watch list preseason all ACC you know he was in the player preseason player of the year voting a lot of expectations for Buddy Beheim, and I think he's the reason why people expect maybe more out of this team than some of us are thinking I, I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago I have a, a slightly hot-ish take on the guard situation and that's that I'm a, a little concerned that Buddy Beheim's probably getting overhyped because of how hot he was shooting in the postseason. We've watched Buddy Beheim play a lot of basketball, and we know like he's really worked to improve his mid-range game and his his dribble penetration and trying to diversify his offense. And he has made strides in that regard, but he's not really like a dynamic offensive player. He's an elite three-point shooter, and he has worked to d- diversify his skill set enough to keep the defense honest kind of slow on defense and he's not the most athletic kid on defense. I don't really view him as a top 10 player in college basketball. I don't know about you guys. I think, you know, maybe top 20 or so. And that's if he is permanently as good as we have seen him be at times, but you know, he's been a streaky player also. So I hope he reaches that ceiling that the national media sees for him. But with the amount of 
Buddy Behan we've seen, I think he's a very, very good player. I'm not sure that he's truly one of the elite players in college basketball, but I really hope I'm wrong. And with Gerard, he just has to be better. He has to be better. He has to be the player that we've been looking for since the end of his freshman year. He has to build on the good season that he had and the good March that he had last year. He he can't turn another 30.3-point shooting percentage. He needs to be at or right around 40%. And he's going to be streaky. That's okay. We, we lived with Trevor Cooney being streaky. It's fine, but he has to be consistent enough. And he needs to stop taking the deep hot dog threes when he does his heat check thing. It's like, no, just keep playing like you were doing where you got hot in the first place by taking good shots. He... He always ruins his streak of taking a few good shots by then being like, oh, I'm great, and taking a bad shot. I th- He's still going to do it at some point, but he needs to do it less. For Buddy, though, I will say that he is much better than Gerard at knowing when he doesn't have it and just oh, yeah. cooling off the three. If he, you know, I some, would consider that an indisputable fact. And you can't shoot. I mean, most 99% of shooters can't shoot through a, a cold streak. Oh, Nick Van so, Exel will fight you on that. And that and that happens with Buddy, right? And and so those games, a lot of times, he just tends to disappear a little bit, which is. But it's not because he's taking a ton of bad shots. We, we yeah, exactly. I mean, we we could there's there's disappear, and then there's James Harden disappear, where you go like, you know, one for twenty and just essentially lose the game for the team. Gerard just doesn't know when to quit. Sometimes um, he just tried to you know, get himself enough enough reps and, and hopefully the stroke would come back to him. But we, we can't have Buddy disappearing like that on a regular basis because we have less depth at guard. We don't have Kadar anymore. I think you're going to see a lot more Buddy and Joe together on the court. And God forbid, you know, we get an injury. I, I don't exactly know what that looks like. I think we're going to have to like rework the lineup if it, if it turns out that the two of them can't play significant minutes. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting 35 or so minutes a game for, for both of them. So I think the biggest problem we're going to have is the whole nation is going to key in on Buddy. They're already doing it. And when you are a coach game planning to play against Syracuse, you're going to say, okay, we're going to let Joe Girard beat us. We're going to let Jimmy Beheim beat us. Hell, we'd be thrilled if it was Jesse Edwards who was trying to beat us. We are not going to let Buddy Beheim beat us. And defenses are just going to focus solely on Beheim. And I do expect Girard to bounce back a little bit because that – there will be so much focus on Buddy that it will open things up for Jarred a bit. But I just don't think that we're going to have as dynamic of an offensive team as we did last year because we don't have guys we can rely on to occasionally carry load. Buddy just went out of sight, out of mind, and we could afford to for Gary to completely ghost in the tournament. But I just don't see that happening again. Buddy was playing so well in the tournament, you cannot expect any player to maintain that level of play throughout the course of an entire season. You just can't. And unfortunately, it feels like this roster is built to succeed based on whether or not Buddy can do that. This is going to go back to the highest battle year, where if it was either highest battle wins us the game or highest battle gets triple teamed and we lose. And that's kind of what this year is going to be. Or Tyus Battle gets triple teamed and somehow we still win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jesse Edwards. Can we go back for a sec to the guards? Because yeah. I just feel bad. No one said anything about Simeon Torrance. 
I mean, I'm for good reason. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, him, but mentioned. but he's you, from Marquette. You, Matt mentioned him as existing on the team. That is true. I said he's I a pass first player. I yeah, said he's a pass um, first player. I feel and... like we've given him the amount of due that someone who's going to get seven minutes a game as the second guy off the bench should get. I think he's going to play at least like ten to twelve minutes a game, and that's going to be his is sole purpose is for Gerard going... or Bayheim. I think it's going to be mostly for Gerard when Gerard inevitably does something that makes Beheim stamp his feet and scream. You'll see Simeir Torrance. But yeah, I mean, Buddy's going to need to get a, a, a breather at some point. And I think when Buddy comes out, you know, we'll run the, the two-point guard lineup. And in that situation, I really hope to God that Gerard plays off the ball because I think we've seen Gerard be a very dynamic offensive player when he gets to play off the ball. Torrance's sole job is going to be to push the tempo. He's going to be the guy who comes in when we need to run a little bit. And if he's not able to do that, then I don't know that he's going to be a, an incredibly useful player on our team. Because, again, what I've seen from him just playing against Division II talent in the exhibitions, nothing jumps out at you. He's He's got a good handle. He, he can make the right pass. But he needs to come in and push the tempo. And that's that's what he's done thus far. That's kind of been his MO. He needs to be the guy who kind of speeds things up. Cause you know, every once in a while, things kind of get bogged down with Gerard. Sometimes, sometimes he holds onto the ball a little too long. He's not sure where to go with it. And when we need a little spark, hopefully Torrance can be that guy, but he's not, not a great shooter. They say his jumper's not broken as, or as broken as you would think they were based on his Marquette shooting numbers. Um, but hopefully he doesn't have to take too many threes for us. Yeah, I mean, his Marquette say. shooting numbers a, a, a are not ringing, good. ringing endorsement. Yeah. He's averaging two point four points a game last year. If we're in a position and where he needs to score for us, we're in, we're in trouble. He needs to come in, push in tempo, trouble. run the offense. Yeah. So at center, Jesse Edwards, the projected starter there. Again, a lot more going to be asked to him than the previous two seasons. He averaged eight minutes a game last year, almost nine minutes. He averaged 6.9 minutes the year before. He averaged 1.9 point a game last year, 2.4 the year before. He's going to have to step up. He did a couple times. We saw him have streak, streaks of greatness there last year. Uh, he's going to have to have a lot more of that. He's 6'11", 230. He's got the size that we definitely need in there on the inside. The question is, is whether he can really get the rebounds, get those inside paint points when we need them. But the rebounds is going to be really big. That's been a really big thing the past couple of years. Somebody's got to be the rebounder. And I know there's talk about Jimmy Beheim being the rebounder, but you know Jesse Edwards has got three more inches on him. He's the one who's got to really be up there trying to get that ball especially offensive rebounds, which we've been really bad at um, the past couple of years. I think it will be nice to have a true rim protector again. And I, that's kind of where our defense starts. The, the zone's not going to be as good as you want it to be if we don't have a true rim protector. And we haven't in a few years. I mean, you have to go back to Chukwu probably, who had his own issues staying healthy, but... That's the biggest thing he can do is just be a presence. He doesn't have to rack up a ton of blocks. He needs five, six rebounds a game at least, and hopefully you know six to eight points a game, and just be a true presence out there. Anselm's his only backup, like like Kevin yeah. said earlier at this point. You can't expect anything from Sidibe this year. Anselm's another guy who's he's crazy athletic, but he's kind of raw. When you see him out there, he's not really sure what he's doing or where he's going. So hopefully... 
we don't have to put him in a situation where he's not ready yet. And we're going to see a lot of Jesse Edwards. And so far he, this season, this preseason, he seems to be more aware. He seems to know his place and a little more comfortable in his game. So hopefully that will translate to some actual games that count against tougher competition. I think we'll be pleasantly surprised with Jesse Edwards. I don't think he's going to blow anyone's mind, but I think he'll be a consistent center, which is something we've lacked for a while. Because even, even like Chukwu would just foul out of games in a second. And I think Edwards is a smarter defensive player than that. The biggest problem Edwards is going to have is the defense, the team defense, I am fully expecting, expecting this year to be an absolute dumpster fire. I think that the zone is going to be as bad this year as it's been in a long time. Because when you look at, again, who we've lost, we lost all of our best defensive players last year. Kaderi was the one who changed games with his defense. Braswell would occasionally come in, and he was probably the best defensive player on the team. Even Woody Newton was a very good defender. All gone. And Garrier was not a good zone defender, but he was at least freakishly athletic. And I just, I, I worry that the guards are going to get burned over and over and over again, and that could lead to Edwards getting into foul trouble. Uh, I will say, I think it was Beheim who said that Anselm has improved as much this year as he's seen a player improve in the offseason, which, granted, the starting point was much less than I think any of us expected, but it's good to hear him, Beheim sing those praises because it, they're not always easy praise to get, but I'm expecting Edwards to play 30, 35 minutes, probably have a small lineup on the floor occasionally with Anselm to get a couple minutes in there. You know, Anselm will probably be the eighth guy, I think. So, I mean, you had Alan Griffin have these like in, insane performances where he'd have like five blocks and he would just go balls out. But then he would, like, take five games off and not play that well. And Gary A had a – I mean, God bless him. He's a great player. But he would take some plays off on defense too. I think there was one game in particular, I think it was towards the end of last season, where, you know, guys were headed to the locker room saying, like, oh, I didn't play any defense on in that whole half. And They were both just, terrible zone defenders. I, I think we can't – the thing about last year is we could get away with it, you know, at least to an extent. This season, I don't think we can get away with it. And also, I think we've got more consistent defenders. Colin's smiling broadly, I guess, because he's got well-documented criticisms of Gerard and, and Buddy. Maybe he's just frozen. I, I don't really know. I think he's no, frozen no, no. right now. <laughs> yeah, you're, fro- you're frozen with a big old grin on your face. So. <laughs> oh, am I? Oh, great. No, no, you're you're, you're, you're petting Lillian very evilly. Yeah. I'm encouraged that our starter day one is not Barama Sidibe. I think that is a huge win for us. And it's someone that we have a little bit of faith in. Jesse Edwards played really well down the stretch. Uh, he had a really good tournament. He didn't F anything up. He was a constant presence down there. He knows what to do down low. He's got a lot of court awareness, much more so than the beginning of last season. Um, so we were just kind of lost for the first 90% of last season. And then and then Jesse Edwards just kind of emerged and, and presented himself. So I like that we have a day one starter. That means, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong and he's going to turn out to be terrible. But right now I have more faith than I did at this point uh, last season when we had Sidibe as our main guy. 
Yeah, now, Kevin, I actually think that you're going to be right on this one. I Maybe I was grinning for a reason. Don't really know why. I do believe that center is going to be the, or at least it's the, the position that I'm most excited about this year. The one I think it's with... It's the only position group that doesn't have a Bayheim. That's why. I yes, mean, he's... that may be a very, very strong reason behind it. Yeah, It doesn't change the fact. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Please. Um, <laughs> Julie Bayheim is going to play. God. But anyway, to what I was going to say is um, I think it's the position that presents the highest ceiling for us. I think that we could come in and be pleasantly surprised by what we do see. Again, I mean, I, I try not to read too much into what I saw in the tournament because it was a very small sample size. But Edwards looked good, and I do think that he is going to be a significantly improved player. I see a maybe like a day one Coleman, his senior year type deal where – he is solid defensively, but also is able to kind of throw in eight to 10 points a game. I think if we can get eight, 10 points from Edwards, then we are we're riding down AZ Street. So I am I am excited about our center position this year for the first time in a long time as well. I know a few of you guys have said. Wait, hang on. Apparently, there's a Jamie Beheim. Yeah, I was going to say, daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they, have a, that they have a daughter. Yeah. That's yeah, the daughter. She Jamie, doesn't play anymore, though. Yeah, she used to play for Rochester, but I think that's right. I'm sure. I'm sure Jim will find a way. She'll get a uh, waiver and yeah. get to play this season. And every time she scores a, a basket, she's gonna look at the camera and she's gonna be like, "Screw you, Colin." No, she's gonna go <laughs> Beheim, and I'm gonna Beheim you. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait! Take- I have an idea. I have an idea, and I think Colin will absolutely get on board with this. A reality television series of just the Bayheims. What are you? Are you joking? The, the, the real Bayheims of Syracuse. You. I I would rather not watch the Syracuse basketball team if I didn't have to. I'm now no. I, I would absolutely never watch that. I would go out of my way. I if my cable carried that network, I would change cable company. <laughs> wow. I'm just imagining like a, a scenario where. Colin has to watch that, where it's the only thing that's broadcast. You can only watch a Rangers game if first you watch the real Bayheims of Syracuse U. That, that is literally my hell. Like, honestly. It's, that is truly, truly my hell. All right, Matt, get us back on track here. Yeah. All right, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about the ACC as a whole. Just to quickly run down the preseason poll, Duke was picked first. They've got a great forward, and Paolo Bonchero, who's Number one in the ESPN 100. He had 22 points a game in high school his senior year. He's already being projected as the potential number one NBA draft pick. ACC player of the year and freshman of the year preseason, 6'10", 250. I'm sorry, he was number three on ESPN, whatever. He's going to be a huge deal. This is obviously Mike Krzyzewski's last season at the helm at Duke. So this is going to be a really important year for that program. Florida State, no shock. They're second. Scotty Barnes is gone, but they have Caleb Mills transferred in from Houston. So uh, lots expected from him. North Carolina, now with Hubert Davis as the head coach there. In third, remember, they had a rough year last year. They were 18-11. and but they've got a lot back. Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, uh, they were both preseason All-ACC honors. A lot to expect out of there. Virginia was fourth. Strong scoring team. Still a lot expected out of them. Virginia Tech, Louisville uh, in sixth. 
Syracuse in seventh, the first one not to get a vote for first place. I don't know. As you look at that, guys, I mean, Notre Dame eighth, NC State ninth, Georgia Tech, who won the ACC tournament last year, was 10th, Clemson 11th, Miami 12th, Wake Forest 13th, Pitt 14th, Boston College 15th. It's going to be a tough conference this year, and it always has been, but what are we thinking as we kind of look around the conference? I, I tend to agree that Duke's got to be the favorite this year, but I think Florida State, North Carolina, like everybody else said, I, I would expect them to be right there. I have a question for you guys. With Coach K now leaving, is Leonard Hamilton far and above the best coach in the ACC? The answer is no, because Tony Bennett is still around, and Tony Bennett has a national championship and is regularly contending for one. And Florida State has been one of the best teams in the ACC the last few years, but... Florida State got screwed out of their national title. I think Florida State would have won in 2020. We, we, I, I really do. I agree yeah, but very we, much so. But the tournament is such an odd thing that you, no one can say, oh, this is... I, I realize yeah. that. I realize that, but I think they would have easily been the favorite, and I, oh, yeah, think, I think they, they the would have you had really a that it very, was, very yeah. good chance that they were going to be the champions. That was to as answer, good of a chance as they've ever had. To yeah, answer the I question mean, at hand... That, it's. I, I agree with Brett. I think you ha- you have to put Tony Bennett number one, but Leonard Hamilton's probably the easy number two at that point in the conference. Yeah, I, I wouldn't challenge that at all. Just some other notes. Uh, Louisville already has a ton of injury problems before the season's already started. So Good. I I do not know if Louisville's going to quite have uh, the year that they were hoping. They also had a, six players from last year's team already gone, so that's going to be tough. Virginia Tech. Kiva Luma, he had the second most votes for preseason player of the year in the ACC. He's going to be a tough player to play against. Virginia Tech, a very different program than they were just a couple years ago. I um, remember before that game last year, Joe going on one about Aluma and saying he was going to destroy us. And it kind of went the other way, did. if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, he, he had a very poor game. game. Yeah, we, we, I, we, I don't know if we won that game, but I know he stunk. We did. Yeah, no, we did. It was one of our, like, early, like, solid wins. One of our, like, only solid wins of the year. Yeah. I'll talk him up again when we face him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, DJ Funderburk is gone from NC State. Um, we actually did a pretty good job against him, but... Uh, he was another, yeah. like, like Robbie Hummel-type player. Plays for 12 freaking years. Yeah. Oh, Quinn from Notre Dame is that is, is that same guy to me. Yeah. yeah. Notre Dame, you know, they're, they're going to have to improve on defense. So, look, it's going to be an interesting year in the ACC. There are some streaks when you look at our ACC schedule where we have some of the quote-unquote weaker teams kind of in little runs. Uh, we have Pitt, Wake, and NC State in one set. We have BC and Notre Dame. Not that I would call Notre Dame that weak, but Miami, Wake, and Pitt back-to-back-to-back. There's opportunities for Syracuse to go on little streaks, and they're going to have to get those wins because, you know, obviously they're going to have to play. Now, they only played Duke once this year. They played Duke on the road, though. They've got UNC, from what I can see here, only once. That's on the road. They've got Louisville at home February 5th. They've got Virginia January 1st in the Dome. Wait, so then who do we get twice? If we're only playing Carolina and Duke once, who is the... Probably Boston College. Yeah, we have Pitt twice. We have BC twice. We have Miami twice. We have Wake Forest twice. We have NC State twice. 
Okay. Uh, we have Notre Dame twice. So, I could be totally wrong on this, but completely anecdotally speaking, I have not looked at the results, but I feel like we have done a pretty good job at winning games at Cameron since yeah. we've been in the conference. I feel like we're probably at least around 500 playing Duke on the road at this point. As an We do have Duke twice, by the way. I, I okay. misspoke. We, uh, we have Duke February 26th in the Dome. But yes, uh, we do have a pretty good ooh. record. We have a pretty good record against Duke on the road, actually. And one of those losses was a complete travesty that they stole a game from us. So I should I'm, be I'm even still better. upset about this. But you do not, I will say this, Syracuse does not want to come down to the last three games of the season needing a couple wins because they've got Duke and UNC two, three days apart. Oh, it's going to happen at all. Oh. And then Miami. Yeah, and we'll end up winning one of them. So I know, I know Duke is like retooled and everything, but they won 13 games last year and they're number nine. Explain that to me. Like, Mike Krzyzewski, are you going to, are you going to vote against it? They're just because you're Duke, right? But like, no, it's not, it's Matt already, they've Duke. got Matt one already of the best us. players in the country. The guy oh, who's expected to be the number one pick in the draft. It was How do you know he's shot. one of the best players in the country? We haven't seen him play. play they haven't played a game yet. But that's how this works, Kevin. You got to do preseason polling and stuff. I mean, uh, polling based on. Uh, unless we but, wanted to. Oh, well, I mean, we could get into this about football, too. I mean, I'd be more than happy for us not to officially do polls for a month. But then people have less to talk about. So I guess I just number nine, really? Number nine. They won 13. We, we had a better record than them last year. Yes, we did. Yeah, um, they also had a much better offseason than we did last year. Or this I past offseason, I should say. Time will tell. Time will tell. Be at the Dome, Coach K. I'll be there. I'll be there with bells on February 26th. There you go. I will make sure you're wearing bells. Out of conference schedule. Lafayette, Drexel, and Colgate, the first three. Then they do the battle for Atlantis over Thanksgiving. Uh, so that'll be Wednesday before Thanksgiving through Black Friday. So that'll be exciting. They play VCU in the first game of that, and then we'll find out who they play uh, Thanksgiving Day and the day after. Big Ten ACC Challenge is Indiana this year in the Dome, November 30th. Oh, I'm so uh, looking th- forward to that. I love it. I love playing Indiana. It, it's always, always a fun game. December 4th, the first ACC game is actually December 4th, on the road at Florida State. Not an easy game to follow up that Indiana game with. Then they've got the Jimmy V Classic just three days later against Villanova in Madison Square Garden, 9.30 tip. Then they go to Georgetown December 11th, December 18th, Lehigh, December 21st, Cornell. So there's a lot of opportunities for wins there, but there's some really tough matchups in there too. And back-to-back-to-back, you've got that streak there of Indiana, Florida State, Villanova, and then Georgetown in just 12 days. Uh, That's really critical in my eyes, you need to at least be two and two through that, but preferably if you can be at least three and one in there, then that sets you up well for the ACC season. Just don't lose to a mid-major in the non-conference. We've been doing that a lot the last few years. Yeah. Just don't do it. it. Makes everything so much harder. Yep. All right. Well, it's time to put up or shut up. Let's give our view. Where do you think Syracuse finishes in the ACC? And where do you see us going in the tournament if we're going to the tournament? I can start this. I'll say I think Syracuse finishes fifth in the ACC in the regular season. And I think they go to the Sweet 16. 
God damn it, Matt. That was verbatim exactly what I was going to say. Fifth and Sweet 16. Okay. Kevin? Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get a little chippy. I'm going to say we we finish fourth and then we lose in the second round. <laughs> Very Syracuse. That's worse. That's worse. Very yeah. Syracuse. Joe. Um, I think we're going to finish in give me sixth place. I think it's going to be slightly less frustrating than last year, but still pretty darn frustrating of a season to watch. Yeah. I don't think we're going to go into selection Sunday saying Yes, we are definitely in, but I think we're going to be a little a little better off than in the past few years. I think we're going to, you know, the last few years that we've gotten in, we've been like, oh, we probably don't deserve it. I think we're going to be on the other end of that now. Where we're going to be like, I think we deserve it. I think we should be in. I hope we don't get left out. And then, you know, we'll end up being like a seven seed. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, 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 my money is with Bayheim to still bring us to the Sweet 16 again. As in Jimmy brings us to the Sweet 16, right? All the Bayheims together, Led they're going to... Jimmy. Jimmy and Buddy are going to share the Naismith Trophy as collectively <laughs> the best college basketball player. And then Carmelo Anthony's going to come and award them best player in school history. They're going to take down the Car- Jim Brown banner and just put up a Bayheim banner. They've already taken it down. It's gone, isn't it? Uh, then, then they're just going to put up a Bayheim banner in its place. Bayheim. Best players I would not ever. put it past them. I, that's yeah. the thing, though. I would not put it past the school at when all. When we cut down the nets, Colin has to hand each of them the scissors. If we're cutting down the nets, I, I, I don't know. Jimmy can cut me. So, Brett has not given his predictions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bid $1, Bob, because I think you're all nuts. Uh, okay. I, I just... We just talked about... Colin, you just said, like, you weren't sure that yeah. this team is going to be better than it was last year, and you picked, up, picked them to finish fifth in the ACC. Yeah, but I'm an idiot. That's why for the podcast is <laughs> named what it is. I think the optimism is a little excessive here. Like, I'm looking at this team, and I, I, the talent is just not where it was last year. And I think that, de- like I said, I think the defense is going to be a disaster. I don't know that we get in the tournament. I really don't. Well, I you think- got to say in or out. This is picks. Got to say, isn't Whataburger still available? Oh, this no. is the second time in a couple weeks Brett has tried to weasel out of giving. I'm not weaseling out of anything. I'm not like. Let me go. On you're all little... crazy. I think you're all crazy, but I don't really know either. <laughs> I think we're going to struggle to get in. I think we're going to be seventh in the ACC. I honestly, I'm hoping we get up to seventh in the ACC. I'm very fearful we won't get there. And man, it. I think it's going to be an absolute nail butter. I'm going to say we get in because the NCAA tournament is a TV show and buddy Jimmy and Jim is good for ratings. And then I think we're going to lose in the, Oh, maybe, maybe the first round. I guess I'll give us the second round just to feel a little bit better that we're going to lose in the second round. But man, I just, I, I I won't be surprised if we fall short of my meager expectations. All right, Matt, can I, can I offer us a, a palate cleanser just for a brief minute or two? Yeah. I think we all need something a little more positive than that. Yes. Potpourri of thoughts that I have that are generally positive. One, Cole Swider came into our program with a scattering report of being a very poor defender, and he was, and is. Based on what I've seen so far in a very limited sample size against very meager competition, 
the zone is going to help mask his deficiencies on defense. And I think he may actually end up fitting in okay. He seems to know how to do it. And it it plays up his athleticism a little bit. And he's I was expecting him to come in kind of stiff and robotic, but the kid's an athlete. He can move out there. So I, I think it's a good thing that eye rolls don't make sound. Well, they do when you talk. So <laughs> I think Swider's going to end up being pretty serviceable on the defensive end. I've already talked about his offense. Yeah. <laughs> I think we lost college. This is the tidbit I've been sitting on for why I, I, I'm feeling better about this team. I'll, I'll recommend it again. Everyone needs to listen to Eric Devendorf's podcast. He had Joe Girard on a couple weeks ago. And I think we don't Joe Girard on. Oh, we should. So Devo asked him what We're the biggest difference idiots. between this year's team is compared to last year's team. And Joe Girard, on the record, said, this year we don't have players who are only playing for themselves. We're more together as a team. And Is that I think a shot about, directly at Alan Griffin? I'm going to say it's a shot at Alan Griffin and Quincy Garrier and probably to a lesser extent Kadari a little bit. You could make an argument that some of those guys may have, may have been a little... But we honestly don't know who he's referring to. We we don't know who he's referring to. But the fact that he was willing and he tried to walk it back a little bit. He's like, not that not that it was like that last year, but oh, he's saying it was like that last year. So, you know, maybe the intangible things like team chemistry and the fact the players are are a little more together. Maybe they'll that will turn into something tangible and help make up for some of the deficiencies that Brett has mentioned. And you know, a lot of what Brett said, he's not wrong. Like you can't look at this team on paper and say they're as athletic as last year's team or as talented, but hopefully there's some other things that can kind of mask some of that and make up for it. And I I think things could shake out in a way where a lot of those issues aren't brought to the forefront like they were last year. And before we get to our picks, since I know that's right where we're going, during the football season, it has come to my attention that certain panelists on this esteemed program may have been making some of their picks somewhat disingenuously, where they might waffle on a pick, or they might even pick a game in a way that they don't actually expect it to go, just to kind of go along with a bit. Are you talking about yourself? I'm just saying that some people may have been doing that, and I don't want to name names, and I might try to walk this back a little bit. I'm not saying that that was happening, even though it was probably happening. So to get rid of that problem, I think that we should all make a little wager amongst ourselves when we pick the games. And I think we can open this up just on a completely friendly basis to all of our listeners. Tweet at us. So when you pick your game, something matters. You're, you're more than just your name and pride being to it, since I think we've proven through the history of this podcast we're lacking in one of those. <laughs> names. We are lacking in names is what we're <laughs> We'll offer you, you know, an autographed T-shirt with our autograph. We don't have because, T-shirts. But hey, but maybe we might, we might get <laughs> We can offer you nothing. nothing. That's an NCAA violation. You know, we're not allowed to exchange... Uh, either. We're, we're based on the old rules. I say the way we do this, we pick the game, you get a point for if you get the pick right, and then another point goes to whoever gets the score the closest. If you nail the score, a bonus five points. We all in for this? Sure. I will name a score, and if you tell me I'm doing good or bad, I will agree. <laughs> I'm going to tell you you're doing bad every week. Here are the two games this week. 
Tuesday night, Syracuse versus Lafayette. The Leopards are out of uh, the Patriot League, Eastern Pennsylvania. 7 p.m. tip on the ACC Regional Sports Network. For those of you in Central New York, I believe that's the Yes Network. Lafayette was nine and six last year, nineteen and twelve the year before. Interesting point here: Fran O'Hanlon, the head coach of the Leopards, is actually the sixth longest tenured coach in college basketball. He's been there since nineteen ninety six. Got a 351 and 413 record. So, and then Syracuse versus Drexel Sunday at 4 p.m. on ESPN2. So, Drexel did make the tournament last year. They lost in the round of 64 to Illinois, 78 49. They won the CAA last year from the sixth seed in the CAA tournament. They've got Cameron Winter, uh, all CAA guard back. He is averaging 16 points a game last year. Forward James Butler's also back. He was averaging 12 points a game last year. So uh, some talent on that squad. So I look at this. I'm going to say Syracuse wins these two games. Give me Syracuse beats Lafayette. Let's say 82 to 55. And then Syracuse beats Drexel 77 to 64. Tomorrow is my dad's birthday, so, um, and he is the reason I went to Syracuse. Is he also went to Syracuse? So, uh, in his honor, I'm going to say that we're going to win the Lafayette game, 64 to 51. I think it's going to be an ugly game, but we're going to hit 64. So, and then give me Hughes over Drexel. I think they're going to get all the rust out in the first game, and they'll score pretty highly in that one. They're going to be 96 to 64. All right. Joe. I think we're going to win both these games. We better win both these games. Give me the victory over Lafayette to be 76 to 62. And then give me over Drexel 50, 80 to 58. All right. Kevin. Lafayette, I'll take us 80 to 65. And Drexel, I'll take us. 75 to 68. I think we're going to look like trash in the second game, but somehow win it. All right. And Brett. I think we're going to do just fine against Lafayette. I think we're going to go 92 to 60 in a blowout. Say 64. No. Okay. And then I'm going to, and then Drexel, I don't know why, just the word Drexel makes me nervous. So I think that might be one of those nail butters where it's going to be a 73 to 70 game. I'm going to say we're going to win just because I I don't want to be that guy, but that game makes me a little more nervous. Syracuse football on the road at Louisville this Saturday. They've got three games, three chances to get that sixth win to become bowl eligible. Uh, It's going to be on your ACC regional sports network again. So yes, if you're in central New York, noon kick. Louisville coming off a close loss against Clemson. Malik Cunningham hurt that ankle again. He's had ankle problems his whole career, at least the last couple years, and it caused them partially to lose that game at the end because when he tried to make a cut running into the end zone, fourth down, uh, you could see it give out on him. So Malik Cunningham, I would assume he's going to play, might not be 100%. That's going to be a big deal for Syracuse. These teams literally average the same number of points a game, 29.4, but Louisville gives up a few more. 
So where do we think this is going? This has not been a close game the past couple years. We're just going to make our picks. I think Louisville is going to win this game. Syracuse just does not play well on the road at Louisville. I'm going to take 31-14 Cardinals. I think this is going to be closer than previous games uh, at Louisville, but um, yeah, Matt, I agree. I, I think we're going to lose this game. We don't do great against mobile quarterbacks. This year's Liberty game aside, give me Louisville 35-32. Th- mm, to eh, 30, 32. Okay, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to come out a little flat after the bye week. I didn't like hearing Dino saying that he had to remind Sean Tucker to stay focused. Like, don't tell me stuff like that. I don't want to hear that. Just if that's something that has to happen, keep it to yourself. I don't want to hear about that. I also don't like that Dino, like in his pr- uh, press conference leading up to this week, he's just like, oh, it'll be a blessing if we're able to win one of these games and go to a bowl game. Don't say stuff like that. Like, it's almost like he has no faith. So I don't love the vibe coming out of the bye week this week. So give me a little full to win 27 to 20. All right, Kevin. Give me Syracuse 31-30. All right. Wow. Nice. Andre Schmidt comes out of his shell. <laughs> that one was for you, Joe. He proves to us that he is not a steaming pile of you-know-what. He has been on the football field the last five weeks or so. Um, so I think he plays well, and we we, we win this one in a nail-biter. Uh, Malik Cunningham does well, but I think we contain him you know, generally. Brett. I'm going to go Louisville oh, 34 to 20. Okay. I just, I don't have any faith. All right. Well, uh, those are our picks. We'll get more into what happened that game next week. All right. Hey, if you have 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know. We just want to know it's safe. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at 3ILPod. Like us on Facebook, 3 Idiots a Lawyer. Until next time, for Brett Portnum, Joe Shell, Colin Lerner, Kevin O'Keefe, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next time.